This is Rating Descendant. Where we watch IMDb's worst 250 movies so you do not have to. I'm Michelle St. Clair. Never get And this week we watched Plan 9 from Outer Space. Evil aliens attack Earth and set their terrible Plan 9 into action. As the aliens resurrect the dead of the Earth, the lives of the living are in danger. Let's watch. That's alright, right? Yeah, that's really it's kinda, good. That's kind of cool. That's really good. Thanks. Michelle, I'm very excited because when I came over here tonight to record with you, mm. this episode that you listeners are hearing right now, mm-hmm. um, Michelle was what, finishing season one of Succession. Yeah, I finally watched it. I am I spend too much time on Twitter. Mm. Uh, not enough time posting things on Twitter for someone with the fucking podcast, but a lot of time reading on it and people keep talking about it and I'm like you know what especially now that it's over it feels more approachable to watch but it's it's hey it's not over yeah it's ending ending we've got what two good episodes left yeah i probably time. won't catch up in two weeks i'm a busy lady and yeah. the episodes are like an hour long oh man i'm bummed that it's over but also relieved i don't want a good thing to just fizzle out with a mediocre season 5 you know mm you never, you never wanted to fuck off at the end. No. You know that's not a good feeling. But I'm, I'm so glad you are because I just think, like we were saying, and we, we saved this chat for this podcast <laughs> yeah. because it's, it's. I, I feel like most people are watching Succession. Sure, you would hope. And if they're not, this is, this is an invitation, not the thing that Abby hates and I hate, but to an extent that less people comment on it, where someone's like, "Hey, watch this show," you know, and then you kind of immediately want to reject it. Yeah, oh, there's just so much TV out there. How are you supposed to prioritize these things? O- occasionally, a friend of the podcast, Gaden Souza, has been very excitedly asking me to watch Barry, and I, mm. I have started watching it with with my darling girlfriend Brooke. I have that on the list as well because it's, of Gaden. It's great, but there was a period where he kept coming over and be like, "Have you watched Barry?" And then I one time too aggressively, I did not mean to do this, but I was like, "I'll get to it." <laughs> And he was like, Michelle, it's okay. I was like, I'm sorry. I just feel a lot of pressure when you ask me to watch it. <laughs> right now I'm watching Silicon Valley with Claude and we're kind of getting through the little slump in season five, but then it gets good again in season six. Mm. Oh, season six is so good. And um, just that anecdote there, you're Richard and Gaiden is your Jared. Oh, my Michelle, God. it's okay. Oh, and, my and God. I'm your Ehrlich. For sure. <laughs> For sure. I'm so glad you said it first. <laughs> I felt like it would have been an insult if I said it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially because when he ends up leaving for season five, and Jin Yang basically passes his body off as a big fat pig that's yeah. been cremated. Yeah, a little bit. Basically, because T.J. Miller was revealed to be a sex pest. I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. And he was also apparently really difficult on set for like all of the seasons prior, and yeah. he was making it out like he didn't want to be there, and they wouldn't yeah. shoot because he didn't want to come out of his trailer. Yeah, it was a whole but, thing. Ri- I mean, Richard joins the great pantheon of characters who I, when first watching, went, "Hey, they're anxious. I'm just like them." And or someone in close to me in my life has gone. You're kind of like that character that's you and then it's like well this character's very obviously autistic yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he does such a good portrayal of autism as well he, he does it's really he nuanced really i think and it's really it, it's subtle but clear at the same time i think it's very good but yeah, yeah gaden is your jared gaden is my jared hey, michelle wow. it's it's okay <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry man <laughs> get into it <laughs> but no 
I've been watching Succession. Mm. The specific point I was making to Abby right before we started recording was at the moment, I really like Shiv and really genuinely. Mm. And I was saying I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop because shows like this are very invested in making you sympathize with the characters at the beginning so that you can get into them, which makes it easier to really understand just kind of how fucked up rich people are. Yeah. Right? It's like it's the Breaking Bad thing of, like, we don't realize how fucked up Walter White is unless we spend a lot of time going, like, oh, yeah, yeah, I want him to do this. And then he does it, and you feel this, like, well, if unless you're a fucking sociopath, you feel this, like, gut in your chest thing where you're, like, you're uh, a gut, gut in, in your, your chest. chest. <laughs> <laughs> There's, like, gut-wrenching thing where you're, like, I don't like that he did that. I really don't like it. And that's mm. way stronger than having someone just, like, shoot a guy and you're, like, oh, no, a baddie. Well, as the one that is, you know, towards the end of the show, I can't say too much. But I will say that with Shiv, like all the other characters, she's nuanced and she's not yeah. necessarily just – she's not always, like, the good sibling. But I think that Shiv is far more – relatable than any of the other siblings and someone that you can attach yourself to mainly because she has the most liberal politics out of them and she's a woman and she's always on the back foot because she's a woman more so than Kendall. Now I'm very prepared for her very liberal politics or the very, yeah, to be revealed as very much like, uh, not quite I'm fighting daddy, but more like uh, this makes me, this gives me the image and veneer of acceptable good person, mm. the very rich people kind of Which I think many politics. characters throw at her as an yeah. insult many times in the show. Yeah, I mean, already she has, I mean, very mild spoilers for season one of Succession, tried to already moderate the, the show's version of Bernie Sanders yeah. a little bit. And it's like, if that was a real person, I'd be like, that's fucked up. But like on the pantheon of what I've seen in this show already, mm. I'm like, that's fine. That's okay. <laughs> Sure. Gaiden couldn't get into it because they were all so mean. <laughs> yeah, he's a sweet guy. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a Jared. He's a Jared, yeah. And me as an Ehrlich, I want them to be meaner. But like... <laughs> I want shit and piss thrown every which way. So you like Roman. Okay, yeah, cool. Uh, I wouldn't say that. That's going too shit. far. You know, the, you know the kid in Knives Out, the like Nazi kid ma- mas- masturbating in the bathroom? Mm. That thing? Yeah. Masturbating? Masturbating. In Masturbating. The- Masturbating. <laughs> You're picking that up off of Brooke. Masturbating in Michelle's the bathroom. darling girlfriend, Brooke. I know, I can't believe she's got a girlfriend. Um, what the says fuck? masturbating. Because the joke is always, you've got a girlfriend? Yeah. I, yeah I, no, I, I know how you got there. Okay. <laughs> um, all I really wanted to say was I thought Shiv and Tom's wedding was actually kind of sweet. Oh, uh, Really? Yeah, well, because, I mean, again, mild spoil, like what? very mild spoilers for Succession Season 1, but like, yeah, they cheat on each other beforehand, and then when they talk about it, but then they talk about how she doesn't. He doesn't cheat on her. Well, I mean, no, he he at the fucking party. Whose whose birthday oh, party was right. it? He talks about yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, she she. I came. I no. He specifically says I splooged in her mouth, and then she right. kissed but didn't me, and she it went into my mouth. Say he could do it on the wedding night, well, on the bachelor she, night. She was very busy and was kind of like what what specifically do you mean i don't know you mm. just i can't really do this right now it's just that she did have an ongoing affair oh hers, hers was worse <laughs> yeah. she should have told him sooner yep. and then he has the devastating line when they're talking about love and he's like but i do love you but mm. they kind of reached what i thought at, in the moment maybe it'll be revealed to be more fucked up than it seemed of like yeah okay well let's try this different thing because we do kind of love it like this is what i find fascinating about shiv is that it doesn't read as she doesn't really like tom no it reads as she does like tom but he likes her more yes 
you know. That's their whole dynamic. And that's different, though, because it means that there is still a love. It's not just a you're fucking Don't get me wrong. I root for Shiv and Tom. I still do. Um, But I think that The Wedding Night is so tragic because he's just compromising to stay with her because he loves her so much. He's heartbroken. That's how two-thirds of it felt for me. whatever he can to make The Wedding Night not suck and for their relationship now to work because he's just married her yeah you know like if she had told him this night before the wedding it would have been a different reaction but he knows he's like it's the night of my wedding i think i've just got to throw myself into denial and be like that's fine (laughs) and it's so tragic i mean i've said before i'm obsessed with tom specifically because tom wams gans tom wams gans because he thinks that there's four people in play and there's three. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and that, that is his, again, eternal character. Yeah. For sure. I'm really nailing I'm, it. I, it's a great dynamic to have. <laughs> I'm so glad you're on the succession train with the rest of us. It's so juicy and good and tense. I feel like every time I watch succession, you don't think you're tense until all of a sudden you realize that you've been sitting really stiff for like 20 minutes because you're feeling really on edge about who's going to say what. Yeah. I realized how unfunny some people's lives are when they now watching it and thinking about all the discourse of like is it a comedy or is it a drama it's a drama there's just jokes in it yeah it's a drama that with makes some it jokes. still a drama it's not a comedy no it's got some satirical elements but that doesn't make like, it a comedy how dry is the shit you're fucking watching mm. like it's still a drama there's just jokes in it Schindler's List was the best comedy of this year now that's not what I fucking said that's <laughs> not what I think you said that's, that's just what this what you hypothetical said? man in 1993 oh. claimed <laughs> That's the opposite of what I'm saying. They'd be like, Schindler's List is how every drama is. Because there's no... Do people tell jokes in Schindler's List? No, that's my joke. Right, okay. <laughs> Speaking of not understanding what's going on, <laughs> Plan 9 from Out of Space is what we watched this week. Yeah, boy, did we. <laughs> you must be excited to get this one, Michelle. I'm so excited. Because I, I was excited to watch it because... Ages ago, like 10 years ago or something stupid, you showed me Edward. Yeah. My my mum loves that movie. It's one of her absolute favourites. It was it's, charming. If anyone hasn't seen it, the Tim Burton uh, classic, um, Edward, starring Johnny Depp. Mm. Um, but it is a kind of great movie. I think it's honestly one of his best movies. Mm. That, like, more than anything, is quite upbeat it could be a movie that feels mean but it mm. actually feels like a movie that is fundamentally celebrating like filmmaking in the spirit that makes fun of him but and in some ways it does but i really felt like and i haven't seen it since we watched it again maybe nine or ten years ago mm. so my memory is vague but i remember when we watched it it didn't feel like it was making fun of him it felt like it was celebrating a guy that did what he could to make films on a budget when it was almost impossible i think a really important thing in it is there's this moment where you, he's collected his little collection of, of, of weirdos and freaks, which notably includes uh, Bill Murray's character who talks about trying to get gender or sex reassignment surgery. Mm. Um, and I will say Bill Murray's performance as that character is probably the main part of the film that feels more uh, queerphobic than the rest of the movie because it feels like Bill Murray's making fun of that character and it doesn't mm. feel like anyone else is trying to make fun of that guy. Mm. Um, as well as the fact, and I'll get back to this, Ed Wood's own potential transness and queerness. Yeah. He's got his little collection. There's a moment where Sarah Jessica Parker gets so sick of it 
and like tries to point out. Did she out- play Vampiro? No, no, no. She played his original uh, partner because his- he had a couple of wives, right? He he has he has his his wife through the first like two thirds of it, and then he meets uh what what's the what's the woman from was it medium or patricia arquette yeah it's patricia arquette i'm pretty sure i love patricia arquette yeah she kind of comes in it towards the third act as like Mm. i actually understand you and i'm okay with these weird uh, eccentricities of yours Mm. and i support you that moment where sarah jessica parker does that feels like a i can't tell if tim burton is on her side and is trying to be like, I'm the only person who can see this, but we're going to continue on with them anyway. Or if it's going like, that is the villainous thing, because having all of these people have this thing together is really great and wonderful. Mm. And I kind of think it doesn't matter what the directorial intent is, mm. because the movie is communicates that she's a villain for thinking that they're weird. Yeah, cool. Yeah, it's great. I, I'm, I love that movie. So I, I know, I knew a lot about... Plan 9 from Outer Space already. Mm. Had you seen it before watching it for this podcast? No. Also, for listeners, I realize we didn't give the context, Ed Wood is the director of Plan mm. 9 from Outer Space and the movie is about, his, it's like a biopic of his life, essentially, a very stylized biopic yeah. of his life. With Yeah, Johnny Depp, Tim Burton directed it. And then we've got the film that he, is Plan 9 from Outer Space his most like cult classic of all of He's, his films? He, Easily. Far above and beyond anything else it because is. Because it's just terrible? Yeah, I mean, it, it, the specific history of it, um, I wrote it down. I'm just trying to pull up the note now. <clears throat> oh, my God. I'm so sorry. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Like many of his movies, it sort of, like, stayed in obscurity. However, um, in 1980, the authors Harry... Medved and Michael Medved dubbed it the worst film ever made in the in a book called The Golden Turkey Awards, which was about going through like bad movies and mm. stuff. And from that point on, it held that title of worst film ever made. It became like the cultural perception of the worst movie was that, which mm. is like then, then there were like rogue competing claims of things like Birdemic and Manos Hands of Fate, both of which we will eventually do on the podcast. Manos Hands of Fate is on the list. Oh, I'm pretty ah! sure it's bottom ten. Ah! Um, <laughs> but really, the thing that has fully displaced Plan Nine from Outer Space from the public consciousness is mm. The Room, which mm. is so thoroughly bad and such a huge social phenomenon that mm. it has completely obliterated the memory of any other bad movie. Mm. You know. In a way that I think is deserved because the room is worse than this. Oh, definitely. Like this sure. obviously had like I think the whole thing about this film is like the like mediocre performances because apart from Bella Lugosi, yeah. no one else is particularly recognizable because they're what Edward's particular what? crew. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa! There was Vampira. Well, yeah, Vampira was there, but apart from Vampira and Bella Lugosi, well, um, and Tor Johnson, who was a wrestler. A Swedish wrestler um, who was in a handful of B movies and stuff. This is what I mean. Like it's it, it is just the oddest assembly of mm. people that he sort of just stumbles across. Yeah. I mean, the main guy, the the guy, the actor who plays the main character, Greg Walcott, is uh, ju- he just goes to the same church as the financiers, mm. and he was like an actor <laughs> who was in like nothing. <laughs> That's the thing. It's got 
really mediocre performances, but what makes it fun to watch as a bad film is all, all of the dialogue of something occurring and someone stating it immediately. Yeah. My God. <laughs> yeah. Someone's dug it up. <laughs> oh, uh, the the script, I think, is probably the worst aspect of this Yeah, movie. definitely. This, this film would have been a bit better if they had explained way less. Yes, but at the same time, I think some things did need a little bit more explanation. Um, I just- that's true, because it took me a while to really... I mean, I finally... It all linked together when... Because I couldn't understand. I was like, why are we both in a cemetery and we're in space? And how are these two connected? Oh, yeah. And then finding out Plan 9 is the alien's plan to resurrect people from the dead on Earth. Yeah. That checked out. But then in the end, they kind of explained why they wanted to do it and why men are evil. And the real Sermon on the Mount <laughs> that they continued on for, like, a good yeah. five minutes in the finale of how men are evil and men create wars <laughs> in other countries. Um, look, we didn't need that. No, I don't think we needed it <laughs> at all. Because, I mean, like, look, it's absolutely batshit and it does go into these long rants. But in that way, it feels part of, like, the historical legacy of sci-fi. You know, mm. there was parts of it where I'm like, oh, this could be, like, a decent fucking H.G. Wells novel with some, like, shaping up here and there or something, you know? Well, yeah, and also, like, the costuming and aesthetic of it was fantastic. Yeah. I loved it. And <laughs> like strange, like, blouses with the with yeah. the X logo on it. And yeah, stuff. and, like, the way that, like, when they would salute, they would do this. Oh, yeah, yeah, the crossed arms. The crossed arms. That it is uh, sort of, like, arms straight but an arm on each shoulder so that your arms form an X over your mm. chest. Yeah. That was an explanation of that, right? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> I didn't even drink anything fizzy. I just ate some cottage cheese. It's funny. This isn't even the first time I've talked about this movie on a podcast because I already talked about this movie on a podcast that I love in a place like this hosted by Chris Michael Smith. So oh. go check out that episode, but also go check out the podcast in general. When did you do that? Um, last year at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you want to get just it straight into the key details? Yeah, I want to hear all about this one. <laughs> This came out in 1959, mm-hmm. which also, I think notably, there was one or two movies like White Zombie that had already, like, done the concept of zombies, but, like, zombies weren't a full, I like... Until Night of the Living Dead. Until Night of the Living which Dead. Which was 68? 68, yeah. Fuck. It's so, so ahead of its time. It kind of is, yeah. you know? It, like many of the pre-Night of the Living Dead ones, they're just called ghouls. Yeah, yeah, Rather than zombies. Oh, my God. It was the ghoul from the cemetery. <laughs> the ghoul. Where's that strange ghoul woman? <laughs> the, it's the ghoul. <laughs> it's just vampira. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was directed, as I said, by... Edward D. Wood Jr., maybe one of the best names I've ever heard in my right? life. Right? If I have a child, I'm calling him Edward. Edward Ward. Ed- Edward Ward. This is because Edward D. Ward. The fact that he was Edward Wood and then Edward D. Wood. Yeah. Edward. It's just there's yeah. so many layers to. It's like having the name Edward five times. I have to call my kid Ed. Like Edward is a great name. He yeah. could also be a Teddy. Ted Ward. Oh, yeah, Ted Wood. Actually, yeah, he's a Ted Wood man. I mean, my great uncle was a Ted. He was a Theodore. You could call him Four. I could. Forward. Forward. Yeah, Way. Waywood, yeah. Mm. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Curd. Curdwood. Well, just Curds and Way. Yeah. How about Dead? Deadwood. Yeah. What does that mean? Like the TV show. Deadwood? Oh, kind Deadwood? Of. Oh, Jesus. It all sounds the same, Michelle. Um, <laughs> This movie starring <laughs> Greg Walcott, like I said. 
Bella Lugosi, sort of. Yeah, okay. Also, is Greg Walcott the pilot? He's the pilot. The husband guy. The, the pilot okay. husband guy, Jeff Day, Jeff Trent. Jeff Trent. Jeff yep. Trent, yeah. Um, Bella Lugosi, sort of. I'll explain it in just a moment. Tor Johnson, he, he was the really big guy. Playing the detective that's killed. Yeah. That yeah, comes yeah. back. I forgot he was a detective. He's the least believable as a detective. Yeah, he's I very know. believable as the a big ghoul man. The other guy is so believable as a detective. Yeah. And then with his partner, you're like, he's clearly not a detective. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, this fucking, like, mountain of a man. <laughs> yeah. That seems to not, to barely speak English. He really, is, he's <laughs> Swedish. He does not. <laughs> um, and Myla, Myla Nermi, which is the name of the actress who plays Vampira. Uh-huh. But she's credited as Vampire, I'm pretty sure. Mm. Um, and, yeah, so when I say Bella Lugosi, kind of, what I'm referring to is, as you said, it wasn't that he died midway through filming. Okay. That's not accurate to say. Okay. What it was was that Ed Wood was, sh- like, Bella Lugosi at this point was Dracula but out of work. Uh-huh. And all of his, like, money he had made as an actor was rapidly going because he was a morphine addict because yeah. he was old and in pain, right? Yeah. And Ed Wood, like, befriended him because he respected his work so much. You would, though. If you saw, yeah. like, an actual fucking cinema great yeah. just, like, kicking around bars in Hollywood as an addict, you would still be like, you were my fucking idol. <laughs> yeah. And so he'd cast him in some of his earlier movies. Yeah. It got to a point where, like, his health was kind of declining and he was really out of money. And so it more than anything to make him feel better, he started shooting just stuff that was ostensibly for a movie he was making called Ghoul on the Moon, I'm pretty sure. (laughs) 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 Ah, I love love dedication to ghouls. (laughs) He loves a good ghoul. He doesn't give a shit about any other monster creature. It's just ghouls. (laughs) Anything can be a ghoul. Sorry, at various points it was also called The Ghoul Goes West. And the vampire's tomb, the which is a very different vibe. West. What is it like? Grapes of wrath? Is he yeah. like packing his wagon? No, it's like Bible goes fortune. west. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was, you know, you kind of get the impression of like he's really shooting it to get Bella in something. Yeah. It's not really made with any purpose, and yeah. you can kind of tell. Um, so you got then, a bunch of B-roll of him, essentially. A bunch of B-roll, like like him coming out of the house and smelling the... That's why ha- like almost every shot with him has narration over it. Whoa! Because it's not for anything. Wow. Yeah, and then he died, but they st- he still wanted to put Bella in it, in his words, as a tribute, but obviously it helps the financiers. That it's like, this is Bella Lugosi. So he, he worked B-roll footage into a film. Yeah. Like, he maneuvered the narrative to make sure it would kind of make sense. And then every time he needed... <laughs> Every time he needed that character to do something else, he came across a chiropractor <laughs> who he thought looked like Bella Lugosi from the nose up. Yeah. And so that's why he always walks around with his with his hands covering his mouth in like a vampire with a cowl sort right. of style. Right. Even though he's not a vampire, he's a ghoul. He's a ghoul. How many shots were actually Bella Lugosi then? Every every time it is Bella Lugosi, you see his face. Every time you don't see his face, how many times it's not was Bella that? Lugosi. Like three I think or it's four? like four or five shots. Yeah, and um, then so like the bit where like he's walking into that house, and then he like he he like like Trent's wife is lying in bed in a little pink like chiffon nighty, and then he comes in with the cape in front of his head. Did they get a shot of like Bella Lugosi outside the house and then got a shot of him, a d- another dude walking yeah. into the bedroom? It's the kind of thing, this is part of my overall thought and thesis about it. If the chiropractor looked more like Bella Lugosi, because he's also, for 
most notably a very different height from Bella Lugosi. Mm. The way the pickups are integrated in kind of work. Mm. Like it it's it's not bad the way that he's making the edit flow. Like yeah. uh, but my housemate was watching parts of it and mm. didn't notice that it wasn't Bella Lugosi. Yeah, no, I think you c- I could tell because just because of Edward, but if I didn't know that I probably wouldn't have noticed either. Yeah. I just would have been like, why do they keep putting his cape in front of his face? Yeah, it, that's it, but that's the whole thing with Ed Wood. It's like the filmmaking is good is actually kind of good enough to get around it, but he made the decision to do that in a way that draws so much attention yeah. to itself. And <laughs> so it still is, doesn't work. <laughs> I know he made it on a budget and like I, I I think what he did was still so fucking impressive. Yes, it looks silly and cheap a lot of the time, yeah. but there's also certain shots where you're like, this is amazing for the time. Yeah. Like the last shot as well of like the narrator like he like gets oh, up and yeah, he stands yeah. at the desk and that big like you know the the blue kind of fans out around him and mm. it goes to black i was like that's a really nice shot it's cool they, they they pulled some effects out of their ass but it worked the shot of tor johnson like climbing out of the grave mm. with the lights and everything yeah it's kind of a rad fa- also yeah. he he's moving the camera there's a bunch of like these track ins and moving around for two shots yeah. and like rolling masters and i'm like <laughs> marvel where is this? <laughs> I used to have a real fascination with like old horror actors. Like mm. in my year 12 notebook, I had a photo of Lon Chaney playing wow. Jack the Ripper. Wow. Just pasted into my book because I thought it was sick. I loved these theatrical, almost Victorian actors wearing long capes and hats. And yeah. I just thought it was so romantic. So there is that little is element cool. of. Yeah, there's you know? an element of romance <laughs> with this uh, <laughs> with the old Bella Lugosi for me. Well, you were talking about the budget. The budget for this was $60,000. In what what does that equate to now? I specifically looked it up in the inflation calculator. Can I, I just, guess? Okay. I'm not going to be able to guess. Uh, you're really good with inflation, if I I'm remember. so good with yeah, inflation. Yeah, you're really good with math in general, but inflation, you're wow. I know, it's a special talent. Impressive. Look, Karen Kilgariff does this in My Favorite Murder, and I just want to have a whirl. Yeah. 60000 in 1957. I, in 1959 money. 1959 uh, money. Yeah. 1.2 million. No. Surprisingly, about half that. Oh. $618,925.48, <laughs> to be exact. It's okay. It's okay. You had the right idea. Cut that it, it out. Like, I'm sorry. Cut it out. This stays. No. This stays. I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> but, like... Half a mil is still an indie movie. Like, yeah. that's that's a that's still a budget of fucking nothing. Yeah, you know. 100%. Oh my god, it looks like shit, but it it doesn't. It, it, it looks does like the job. It's it's trying to be a movie that is competing with like Ben Hur. And to be you know? fair, it wasn't even the production design that always let it down. It was mostly the script. If they had a stronger script, script yeah. I they could have gotten away with more. They yeah, could have. Because I think there were some scenes that were so fun and quite pretty. Like the scenes in the cemetery, it's obviously a set, but they lit yeah. it well enough that there were enough shadows. It didn't need to be yeah. a very expensive sure, set. Sure, a lot of the gravestones get clearly knocked and tumbled about <laughs> because they're made of wood and you can kind of tell that the dirt is actually a ruffled carpet because of the way it slips around when everyone <laughs> runs cares? on it. And also because it's shot in a studio, it's pitch black. I'm but not then they'll... looking at that. I'm looking at Vampira's eyebrows. <laughs> like, we don't care. <laughs> then they'll have a shot of like a, what is supposed to be next to the cemetery and it's broad daylight. Which was really confusing for a while mm, there. I was like, is yeah. this nighttime or daytime? Yeah, yeah. Like that one vine. You know why he got buried in a crypt? Family tradition. Was Do you that remember the, that? Was that in the movie? <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Where Tor Johnson's detective character, right. for no reason, has to explain why one was buried in a crypt and the other was buried in a grave. Th- 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 this is what I mean. Because, like, they're trying to explain that, but then later when they want to look at, like, Tor Johnson's grave, he the police officer, like, gets in the hole. Yeah. And then, like, sort of just, like stands in and looks in the corner of it crouching and i'm like then he's referring to he's like oh my god the casket i'm like where are you looking at it Mm. what are you doing Mm. and then he like looks at the wall i'm like did you dig next to the grave and then you're looking (laughs) sideways at the what the fuck is going on (laughs) you didn't explain this at all (laughs) it's so confusing um here's the overview (laughs) okay oh i would love the overview because as much as i loved watching this film and i tried to understand i still have many gaps yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. I I enjoyed this more than the perception of it, uh, but the the middle, the second act really kind of loses you a little. Pilot Jeff Trent sees a flying saucer while working a commercial flight. I mm. thought it was important to specify that it was just a regular commercial flight. I thought he was part of the military. Nope. But the military are what who told him to keep it a secret. Yes. Did they talk to the explicitly named thirty two passengers? <laughs> Who knows? knows? (laughs) I really thought he was also a military man. No. (laughs) As far as I could tell, no. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, there was a stewardess there, but I thought she was a stewardess on a military flight. No, just a a regular, regular thing. I guess no one else looked out the window. Again, I guess they didn't have the budget to establish that it was a commercial flight. Later, he... Well, couldn't you tell by the incredibly unironed curtain <laughs> behind is, them what is this the pride flag of an 18 year old <laughs> um later he tells his later he tells his wife of the sighting telling her the army has sworn him to secrecy a powerful force pushes them to the ground along with a collection of police officers investigating the nearby cemetery after some disturbances were reported i didn't know how to work into the overview but in particular after the we see an old man Bella Lugosi sobbing at his wife's death and then he gets killed and so it's him as a ghoul. Yeah. And that's but yeah. 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 One of one of the officers goes to goes off to investigate further, but is killed by two reanimated ghouls, Bella Lugosi and Vampire, mm. who disappear before the other officers arrive, only seeing the of uh, the inspector's body. Mm. After this, reports of flying saucers increase across US major cities. Because we see the flying saucers fully just flying through the city and next to the buildings and everything. Uh, But the government officially denies their existence. Uh, As well as also, I didn't, I forgot to put it in, as well as they begin firing, in their words, missiles into the clouds. (laughs) (laughs) I don't really know what to do about that. Um, (laughs) The aliens return to their space station and inform their leader they have been unable to contact the government. They are ordered to enact Plan 9 and create an army of undead to storm capitals across the world for attention. Mm-hmm. Or at least that's how it's described, is they want to, that, that's so that they can get attention. Uh, sorry, after repeated attempts to discover the nature of the alien plot, Jeff, his wife, Army General Edwards, and the police discover the alien ship in the cemetery. There they are informed the aliens have come to stop humanity from discovering how to explode sunlight, as it would accidentally destroy the entire universe. However, Jeff knocks out the alien, and in their escape, the saucer catches fire and eventually explodes, destroying the remaining ghouls. Oh, so I actually did understand all of it. It was just incredibly slow. Yeah, I skimmed over a little bit where there was a the kind of a back and forth of going in and out, and then there was that the inspector Clay, I think, who gets turned he gets like struck by a ray and then he turns into a skeleton. 
Yeah. But doesn't I didn't know also how to explain Bella that. Lugosi turn into a skeleton? Yeah. When he's approaching them all at that barbecue, when they're all sitting down Oh, talking. you're right. Sorry. That was that was Bella Lugosi, not, not Clay. That was my But bad. then at the end, Clay also turns into a skeleton because they can't use their powers oh, from here now. Yeah, that's right. I think they all, and then they're like, where's the ghoul lady? And they're like, she's probably also a skeleton. Yeah. They just didn't bother to show I, it. I didn't know how to explain that, so I just didn't. Well, when the aliens left, their powers left, and therefore they all just went back to being skeletons. Because as we know... Bodies, when you die, you immediately turn immediately into a skeleton. Immediately turn into a clean, crisp, white skeleton. However, when you get hit by an electrode ray, which is what it's described as, you get all your skin back and become a ghoul. Yes. Spooky ghoul. I, I just love that he will not he will not be deterred. It will only be ghouls in his films. <laughs> it's only, only ghouls. ghouls. This is ghoul-only territory. It's ghoularama here at Raining Descending. Don't bring your goblins. Don't bring your gremlins. I'm all about the ghouls. I'm all about the ghouls, kids. Ah, gabagool. Gabagool. That's because I'm going to gobble the ghouls. Mm. Sexually. <laughs> That's Ed, ghoul Ed, mania. Ed. Yeah. Let's just shoot. Let's just do it. <laughs> Sorry, on, kid. <laughs> nah, it's cool. It's cool mania here. Here, here in the Radiant Descending Studio, <laughs> we're all about them ghouls. His band is called Ghoul in the Gang. Nice. Thanks. Do you do you like them giddies? That's ghoul titties. Oh. <laughs> ghoul. Uh, I mean, vampires didn't look too bad. Yes, G- giddies spraying gilk. <laughs> get the f- get out. <laughs> too much gilk. Get out. Get out. <laughs> I'm not here for gilk. How do we always go back to milk at a certain point? Like, we start talking about something vaguely sexual, then we talk about tits, then it turns into milk. We do it all the time. We're 28. I'm almost 28. Yeah. I'm I'm, I'm getting close to 30 and I'm still talking about milk. You got too much of it? Yeah. Do you think the time Michael Bay felt after the get, Got Milk commercials, he was like, I'm getting up there and I'm still just shooting milk? Yeah. <laughs> I want to shoot some robots. I know there was like another like 15 years before he did Transformers, but I don't, I'm not that familiar with the with bad boys. I don't give a shit. Um, <laughs> one of the things I love mm. is the way the budget manifests because like we were joking about at the opening, he's a commercial pilot and mm. then he's like, what's that? He like looks out the window and it, then it's just a big wide of a full flying saucer. It's yeah. not like obscured through clouds. No, it is a clean, clear, crisp... <laughs> Flying saucer clearly on strings, dangling clearly in on front strings, of a wide. But I'll I'll forgive that, you know. Doesn't matter. It doesn't that doesn't matter. <laughs> what matters more to me is there's not even like a window plate for reference or anything. It's just a full wide shot of a loose flying saucer completely visible. I'll say if I had to do this on a six hundred thousand dollar but I would do it better. Yeah. I would actually. You would. Yeah. No, you, never know, mind. you know what you could do? Put anything to obscure it and then have a ball. Mm. It doesn't even need to be a flying saucer at that point. If it's obscured, it could just be like a curve. Mm. And it's like, what's that? And then it just moves around a little bit. Ooh, you should have made this. Thank you. Mm. I'm Michelle I'm pretty, Wood. Yeah, Michelle Wood. Yeah, Michelle Wood. No, I got rid of mine, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Too much wood? <laughs> Too much wood? Have I got the surgery for you? <laughs> That's a translocation. <laughs> Um, <laughs> he also, by the way, describes it. <laughs> I wrote it down. I couldn't stop writing down quotes for this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorites was early on when he's talking to his wife and he's like, I saw a flying saucer. <gasps> 
a saucer? He's like, yeah, it was shaped like a huge cigar, which... That's not saucer shaped. (laughs) It's not. And it wasn't. It wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) Not really anything like a cigar. (laughs) Oh, oh, the discrepancies. So so little in common apart from any roundness (laughs) between those two objects. (laughs) Also, he took seeing a saucer... Everyone in this film took everything really well. Pretty, pretty chill. Like at the end, when the sauce is flying away on strings and it's on fire and inside it keeps cutting to them oh, yeah, running yeah. around and she goes, ah, 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 and it explodes. Um, they're all just kind of watching it fly over their town. And oh, yeah. one of them's just standing hands in pockets like, well, <laughs> that won't be the last of them we see. <laughs> As if it's all in a day's work. Yeah. They do that a lot earlier when the thing, when the, the when the strange boom, never explained, pushes them all down to the ground. And then the police, it's like a gaggle of police. Yeah. It's, there's maybe like six of them and Tor Johnson who then get back. They like kind of awkwardly just sort of regularly get back up and then look. And we see them looking at the saucer mm. and then it cuts back to them. And they're all just like huffing like, huh. Yeah. <laughs> just, it's just like, oh, what, what a sight. Huh. Yeah. Well, I mean, what about when Bella Lugosi, in air quotes, um, <laughs> famous enters, chiropractor, yeah, <laughs> enters that woman's home so slowly that she manages to just get out of bed and run right around him out the door. Yeah. And as soon as she does, she's like, ah, ah, and very slowly turns to start following her. Where's the urgency? For an no. alien invasion, everyone's chill out. Well, I I could learn a bit from these people. Look, Eros, the 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 main, not the ruler alien, second in charge, the second in charge, the two IC alien. Mm. He seems to want to completely wipe out humans, but ostensibly their plan is to use the ghouls mostly for attention because I guess their thinking is if people see that the dead has come back to life in huge swaths, they'll be like, "Oh, aliens! aliens! That's who's trying to call us." Obviously. Yeah. Also, there is a bit later where they talk about they need a universal translator machine, which I think they called like a, 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 a not, not a dictionary. Was about <laughs> what? I was what? About. what did you? I was dic- about to call dictionary? it a dictionary. Dictionary. Good old dictionary. Ah, dictionary down the road. He'll sort you out. <laughs> oh, dicko. Dictionary. Hi, hi. Well, it was Dick O'Shaughnessy, but then the English <laughs> got to him. <laughs> What's it? For, wait, uh, translator. Um, to no, trans now. <laughs> yeah, trans now. Um, Dick, sorry, Dick, 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 sorry. Dick, sorry, Dick, Dick. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. sorry, excuse Dick. me. Oh, sorry, Dick. Dick. <laughs> Dick Dick to Robitary. Dick to Robitary. A Dick to Wait, what was this again? <laughs> the word they give to the what they then also just describe as the language computer. Okay. Okay. <laughs> the Dick to Real catchy. D- it's I- a zinger. <laughs> I feel like Dick Trobitary or something. <laughs> Whatever I said, Dick Oceanary. Dick Oceanary. Fuck. Sorry, guys. I need to. I need to regather. Regather. We're gonna pull up. I'm in a nosedive. 
Um, they have that to translate the messages from the aliens, uh, but I guess they don't use it to send back because that's why the aliens are like, we have no attention and we really need it. But mm. then, then they talk to the aliens and the aliens just speak English. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't think there's an yeah. answer. I think it's just poorly written. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the guy that played the ruler? Is oh, he anyone notable? In Edward, that's the Bill Murray character. Oh. Like, like the rest of them feels like they're played queer with tenderness and Bill Murray feels like he's playing it with, with mockingness. Yeah, Bill Murray plays everything with mockingness, to be fair. Yeah. Like, I feel like he's... I, I know that we all love Bill Murray because he's a bit of a loose unit, but I... Don't remember him playing a nice character. He's a little. He's a little mean. He's always mean. Yeah. He's always mean in every role. I'm thinking Lost in Translation. I'm talking Groundhog Day. I'm thinking Stripes. But there's a, but there's a, it works in things like Lost in Translation because what he's good at is being mean but charming. Mm. And so all he has to do is in the first act of those ramp up the meanness, which can also be like funny in that cathartic way. Oh, those times that you get annoyed at those people. Well, here's that guy being actually cranky at them mm. or whatever. And then by the end refilter it with more charm. Yeah. But some of the movies he's just mean the whole time. Yeah. You know? And sometimes he's playing a character who's not mean and then you feel like he's being mean about it. Mm. You know? Um John John Breckenridge was the name of the actor. Okay. Good name. Um but he he worked a lot in like uh as a drag entertainer in Paris apparently. Oh wow. Yeah. Also can I ask you a question about this film? Oh he was openly gay. Okay, sorry. Oh good on him. Um good on you mate. Was is this the oldest film that we've ever done on the list? Because I, I think it would be. I, it has to be, right? I don't think we've done anything older. Uh, no, I don't think it's that close. We've done stuff from the eighties, maybe one one or two things from the seventies. Yeah, but I, but I, I don't think we've gone. F- like I think this is the oldest film we've done, which makes it really refreshing. I was like, yeah. oh my god, I, we get to watch like a bit of a classic. Yeah, exactly. How good. It's cool. Also, I wanted to know. Like, what, maybe you'll get into this in the trivia, Mm. but, like, what, uh, so I know that it was made because of the B-roll they had of Bella Lugosi, but Mm -hmm. what else the fuck happened with this production? Like, what, how did it come to be? (laughs) Okay, I'll go through some production history. I just want to, because I opened it, because we're talking about John Breckenridge, read out this little bit from the Wikipedia article, because it better explains the thing I was talking about earlier. In the 1940s, male-to-female sex change operations, wonky language, but were becoming more widely available in Europe, and Breckenridge expressed many times his desire to undergo the procedure. With the nationwide attention given to Christine Jorgensen's yeah. sex change in 1952, Breckenridge became more determined than ever to begin transitioning. Um, and then, uh, you know, basically it, it doesn't happen because he gets scammed instead of being able Aww. to... It's very sad. Um, but... There's just something that I thought was really cool about getting to share that and also, like, the kind of tragedy, given everything that's been happening, of reading in the 1940s, it was becoming more common. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, this is not not the point. Um, Mm. Let me tell you about the production history of this. Let me tell you about the production history Mm -hmm. of uh, Plan 9. I I just wrote down a handful of things, but I can answer any specific questions you have. Um, Mm -hmm. So, for, (laughs) for one thing, John Breckenridge... Played the alien ruler and his secretary, David de Mering, who played the co-pilot. Like, uh, yeah, the, the co-pilot were cast in the film because they happened to be house guests of Paul Marco at the time. Marco played Officer Kelton. Marco, is he the one that looks like, uh, what's his name? The guy that plays uh, Doyle, Boyle in Brooklyn Nine-Nine? 
John Latruglio. Oh yeah, he Joe, does look like John Latrulio. No, Holy Joe shit, Joe Latrulio. Oh, Joe Latrulio. He does. He look looks like him. so much like him. That yeah. at one point, I was like, "Oh my god, could they be related?" I could not stop saying. Oh my him. god, he absolutely does. Yeah. You're totally right. I wouldn't. Have, I didn't clock it, but yeah, you're right. Oh. Um. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. There's a lot of that kind of thing of like, oh, they happened upon someone, and so they were in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> um. What Myla Nermi, you know, vampire, contributed to the film as the female ghoul was a quote, regal presence and theatrical mannerisms. Her performance is reminiscent of a silent film actress. She credited Theda Bara as her main influence for the uh, for the part. Continue. I don't know if this is true because maybe it's just misogyny, but someone had said that, like, apparently, like, Vampira was quite, like, vain as a person and was obsessed with her makeup, was, like, everything was just about the look. And it reminds me of that story of Nico, where she would like mm. walk around being like, "Do you think I'm pretty? Am I pretty? Am I pretty? Am I pretty? Do you think I'm pretty today?" But hey, maybe the, both of those stories are rooted in misogyny. Who knows? I think both of them are also like stuck stuck at a point where being pretty. I mean, it's you still kind of have get so much pressure to be pretty, but it's it's. I feel like it would be hard in the fifties. To not be like, I have to look good or I don't have any job yeah. in this. Men actually will really hate me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, just because they're in um, fucking the entertainment industry. Sorry, my brain is fucking soup. Brain's fucking soup. Um, <laughs> um, Myla Nermit was also a beat poet. Oh, no, sorry. She was in a movie. Uh, where she played a beatnik poet. Sorry. Very different. Uh, but she was billed as Vampira, but she's not playing Vampira, which I think is very funny. Mm. Um, oh, and she's a... F- uh, she, her dad... Her parents were Finnish immigrants. That's cool. Mm. Um, but also notably, in addition to, like, that's what she was cast for, she also... Uh, her outfit and stuff was yeah. her own. It was her old Vampira outfit, which in her words was, like, falling apart. There was a hole in the crotch. And so she... <laughs> got ready at home and had to, like, ride the bus in it to go to the studio. Um, And she also said that she uh, rejected, like, doing dialogue or something because she hated the script. And Mm. then other reports were like, well, all the ghouls are silent, so I don't know how much that's true. Yeah. You know? (laughs) I think she kind of saw herself as above it. Maybe she is, but they're all odd people. (laughs) She's probably the main drawer of the film along with Bella Lugosi. Oh, yeah. She's actually... Like in it, she's in, she's in it. She's <laughs> yeah. in it more than Bella is. Yeah. Um, due, oh, this one I thought was interesting, due to its mixed use of stock footage. So there's a few times you can tell mm. that the stock footage, especially of like the military jets and yeah. stuff, because like obviously they don't have that. Because um, the 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 jets and all that are shot in, I'm pretty sure, sixteen by nine or one point eight by one, eight five by one. But other parts are shot in academy ratios, so four by three and stuff. Um, there is no technically correct aspect ratio in which this film can be shown. However, it was filmed for um, matted widescreen, so uh, showing it at sixteen by nine and cropping it, and that apparently removes many of its visible errors. Mm. Um, even though it does also slightly crop the stock footage, which was shot wider. Mm-hmm. We watched. The version that we watched was a restoration from, I think, 2006 or something by Turner Classic Movies. Okay. Uh, who it was the first time it was easily available in 16 by 9. Oh. Which is why I thought, it, which is why I got that version in particular. I was like, this is the closest to like the intended vision by the cinematographer. Ooh. I don't know if Edward paid enough attention to know that, but. I can't believe he had a cinematographer. I know. That's well, great. S- someone has to shoot the camera. I mean, mm. at that point, you know, it's like a film camera. Yeah. You know, someone's got to know how to 
deal with that. Mm. Someone's got to deal with that. And someone's, you got like that. Well, the, you know, the strange thing of like you change the film in a bag. Mm. Someone's got to deal with the bag. Oh, someone's got to be the bag boy. Someone, who's going to be the bag boy? Uh, someone's got to put their hand you, up and be the bag boy. You gotta no just, one wants to do it, but someone's got to do it. Um, Mr. I'll do it. Nah, not you. No, come on, I'll do it. I'll put my Napkin, hands in the bag. Too tell greasy. Me, tell me what to do. You're too sweaty. It's, I know that you're it's. Dripping. I can see that it's wet in the bag. That's how I got greasy. <laughs> do you want me to put my hands in there? You shouldn't have put your whole body in the bag. Just oh, your hands. I was trying to show initiative, sir. Oh, you got trapped in the bag. Yeah, I know. I'm a little stuck. <laughs> <laughs> you still in the bag? My legs are still in the bag. <laughs> That's why I was wondering if I could put my hands back You're not in. Treading on the film, are you, boy? Oh no, I'm trying my hardest. I'm holding my legs up. I'm most, I'm with my arms. I've got them planted firmly You're on the ground. Suspended in the air, boy. Uh, yeah, I'm holding. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm holding myself up by my arms. By so, the bag. So that my legs are up in the air, not touching the film, but they're very wet. Someone, someone's got to be a bag boy to sort out the bag boy. It, yeah, if you let me put one hand back in, I can probably maneuver my legs back out. <laughs> Someone put your hand in the bag so that you can help the bag boy get out of the bag. Can I just do it? Hey, look, I'll help you, kid. Let me let me touch let uh, me touch your no, arms. No, I don't think <laughs> I don't think he should. Come on, let I me touch your Bella arms. I don't think Bella Lugosi kid. should be the bag boy. It's, this is what Bella Lugosi sounds like. <laughs> you know the. I'm an, I'm an Italian Hungarian. vampire. Hungarian. Yeah. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I forget sometimes the morphine. That's grim. Um, <laughs> Um, really left it on a sour note, didn't you, Michelle? <laughs> um, <laughs> that was grim. <laughs> Here's another. <laughs> you know one of the things I really loved in the movie? What? They had sets. The sets are bad, but they had sets. Yeah. E- except <laughs> a couple of times at the house, you know how there's like the little patio area? Yeah. There's the loose patio, and then he goes over, when he's talking to his wife, he then goes over to his car, and he's like, ha-ha, you better lock yourself inside, because he wants her to be safe. But yeah. the dialogue is wonky that he then is like, I'm not leaving until you get locked inside, which comes off really weird. Mm. And she's, like, giggling, and then he walks over to his car, she says something, and so then, it like, the camera then turns around finally to see him in his car standing in what appears to be a void space. <laughs> Because it's him, his car, and complete blackness. Yeah, that's true. There is no background. There is no skyline. There are no trees. There is no road. There is nothing to suggest he is in anything other than a complete void of space. Well, America's got a lot of space, you know, and at night, sometimes you look like you're in a void space. Yeah. At night, sometimes there's the void. What are they, in like a Midwestern town? They're probably in Hollywood. But Hollywood's got a lot of space. I've I've never seen a set so undressed. It looks like Wile E. Coyote style. He's going to get in the car and then he's going to look at the camera and go, oh boy, and then he's going to plunge into the (laughs) abyss. Yeah, yeah. You know how Wiley Coyote says, oh boy. Um, also, I love how you described it as a loose patio. <laughs> like, it's just a patio. What sense is it loose? It didn't feel very well established to on a street or a house. Did any of the sets feel very well established? I didn't say that they were. Mm. The graveyard is in eternal night, but next graveyard. to the graveyard is in eternal sun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. um, can I read you out some of the other quotes that I wrote down? Yes. Because I loved them. Yes. Um, one of them was <laughs> the Eros, the, mm. the alien, said, it's been impossible to deal with these earth creatures. Their soul is too controlled. And I have no idea what that's supposed to mean. 
I thought they kind of claimed that humans didn't have controlled souls. Yeah, they don't. That's the claim later. Mm. Um, the, another line that he says in the next scene that I also loved, <laughs> they're ta- he and the, 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 the lady alien are kind of like, they have a conversation with the ruler and then they walk out of the scene and then they have like another like sub scene where they just talk about the scene that just happened. Mm. Um, and so they're kind of exchanging, oh yeah, we'll do this plan. And then he goes, like he kind of puts his hands on his hips and goes, huh, you know, it, it really makes you think. These humans that are alive, oh, sorry, he goes, the, the living, the humans uh, can think and they're so afraid of those who cannot think, the dead. Then he gives this long pause. Well, I think the ship will be ready. <laughs> <laughs> he always does that. It's <laughs> you okay, Bill? <laughs> it reads as someone who really thinks they have a point and realizes they don't mid-sentence and then the conversation just oh, sort of dies I out. I do that about six times per podcast episode. Yeah. So. He's, a, he, he's a real Connor Roy. Mm. A guy who really thinks he's part of what's going on look and really pulling isn't. Pulling out succession references. Uh, uh, look, at, look at good old Alan Ruck uh, giving another go. Yeah, he's really had a comeback, you know, between Is it Ferris a comeback Bueller? if it's one more? Sorry? If you're in one more really great role, is that a comeback or is that you're in one more really great role? I feel like a comeback, you've come back yeah. to, to stay, you know? I feel like he must have picked up more roles thanks to Succession, sure, sure. right? The only I, thing I, I want really him to. remember him from is Ferris Bueller's and the annoying guy in the bus in Speed. Oh, Yeah. I forgot about that. Mm. He's pretty good in speed. He's pretty good in speed. He's a great guy. He's a great actor. I was he's, a he's a great, great guy. guy. I don't know him. Fantastic guy. When Cameron was in Egypt's land, let, let my Cameron, Cameron go. It's a great moment. Mm. Mm. Inexplicable. Inexplicable. Completely inexplicable. Strange. But exactly what I like. A real stimmy moment in cinema history. <laughs> Real quotable. Mm, Very quotable. Um, Another line that I really loved (laughs) was right towards the end, he's going on his big rant. A lot of these are Eros lines now that I think about it, but that's because he says the most batshit things. And he's describing how, you know, humans uh, invented, like, weaponry, and then eventually they invented the bomb, and then they invented the atom bomb, splitting the atom, Mm. and then they invented the hydrogen bomb, exploding the air itself. Not how a hydrogen bomb works. <laughs> um, and then he says, inevitably, you'll invent the the sol- solanair, solanaired, uh, solano- not solenoid, that's a real thing, but the, the solar something that is like meant to be the particle that you explode. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, and then they're like, what the fuck is that? And he's explaining like, oh, well, it's, it's a bomb that makes sunlight explode. Um, and then he goes on this really lengthy explanation of, because... He's trying to explain how if you explode sunlight, the sunlight came from the sun, so it'll mm. go back there mm. and then explode the sun and where all the sunlight went. Yeah. Um, but he does that by explaining that the sun is a can of gasoline and that the sunlight is like a line of gasoline to a ball. The, uh, and like he, every time he says something, he's like, imagine that the sun is a can of gasoline and there's a line of gasoline, the sun's rays, and then at the end of that line is a ball, the earth. So you take that ball and you soak it in the gasoline. That's the sun's rays. <laughs> and then the ball, the earth, you light that and it alights the sun's rays, the gasoline. 
and it travels back up the line, the sun's rays, back to the can of gasoline. The sun. He's like really over explaining it. Mm. And then at the end, he says, explode the sunlight, you explode the universe. (laughs) (laughs) He's got a point. He's got a point. Yeah. He's got a point. Between exploding the sun and the air. There's a lot going on in this film. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do one more quote before mm-hmm. I go do trivia, mm-hmm. which was right in that final monologue, because you have what's his name, Cri- Cribbage, Crimson, Crimman, Crimman, Crewel, Crewel, Chris, Chriswell, Crawley. What's his fucking name? Crim, Crim. Oh my god, Criswell, Criswell, the amazing Criswell, who was an American psychic. That's the guy who does the narration in the opening and ending. Yes, Criswell. The, the amazing Criswell, mm. um, who was also, like, his name was Charles Criswell King, and he was sometimes credited as Jaron King Criswell. What? Okay, I'm not going to unpack that in this moment. Mm. Um, he's trying to go on, like, a whole thing at the end of explaining, like, because the ending monologue is basically, it could be real. You can't prove otherwise. Yeah. There's no way you could say that that didn't happen. Yeah. Huh? We gotcha. And he's like, we once laughed at the horseless carriage. We went with the horseless carriage. He starts listing off a bunch of things that would have seemed like traveling to the, not traveling to the moon. That didn't happen yet. Yeah. Um, the horseless carriage, the automobile. At one point he says vitamins, which I think is very funny. Yeah. And then he ends up going, and now some of us laugh at outer space. <laughs> No one laughs at outer space. Well, I think he's suggesting that, but as we know, outer space is real. <laughs> Finally, scientists are about to invent outer space because outer space is not the same as like no a car. No one denied that outer space wasn't there. That wasn't the argument. People laugh at outer space. I laugh at outer space every damn night. <laughs> I look at right you. after this. I'm gonna. Yeah, I, I look at the sky and I go. <laughs> Yeah. I've got you, space. <laughs> Do you hear some trivia? Oh, yeah. Trivia. Contrary to popular belief, the detective who points his gun at himself several times, so in a couple of scenes, one of the detectives, so when they're all really shooting. funny as yeah. a concept. He, he, he shoots at himself mm. instead of at the ghouls several times. He did it deliberately. The actor wanted to see if Ed Wood would notice. He didn't. <laughs> That's so good. I kind of appreciate Ed Wood's ingenuity and can-do attitude, yeah. but the guy was not observant. No. <laughs> Bella Lugosi supplied his own costume. He wore one of the capes he used when portraying Dracula on stage, which I thought was funny because when my housemates saw it, they were like, so are they zombies or vampires? I'm like, they're zombies, but he's dressed like a vampire, and I'm pretty sure it's just because Bella Lugosi just dresses like that. Yeah. And I was right. Yeah. Bella Lugosi just dresses like that. He loved that. a cape. Yeah. So he's a vampire ghoul for no reason. Um, <laughs> when Gregory Walcott read the script, again, that's the guy who played Jeff Trent, mm-hmm. he told Ed Wood that it was the worst script he had ever read. <laughs> he reluctantly then signed on. <laughs> How much did he need the tiny paycheck? That's, but that's why I love that, is it's not just someone going like, this sucks. It's going, they sucked. They agreed to do the job, though. Yeah. <laughs> well, it is a craft. He's a working man. Yeah. The makeup was supervised by the veteran freelance makeup artist Harry Thomas. 
The previous year, he worked on the much more prestigious production, Cecil B. DeMille's The Ten Commandments, which was the the most expensive Hollywood production up to that time. What the fuck? Also, I really want to watch that. Claude, for whatever the fuck reason, is super into biblical epics. Before appearing in this movie, Tor Johnson had been a professional wrestler. He can be seen playing his trade when a television broadcast of a match is shown on the Orphanage's new television in Angels in the Outfield 1951. Now, I picked that particular piece of trivia because I love the way of phrasing seeing a wrestling match as plying his trade. Mm. Mm. I love that, genuinely. Mm. Plying his trade. (laughs) He was out there plying his trade. Although there is a copyright statement on the print, the film's producers and original distributors never registered this picture with the copyright office when it was first released. This was not done until a 1981 video release. Mm. And I love that because that's like 30 years almost, or 25. Yeah. Um, And I guess no one else tried to claim the copyright of it. (laughs) So it wasn't a problem. It's not like Night of the Living Dead where they didn't know how it worked and so it's accidentally public domain so they've been screwed out of like millions of dollars. Yeah. No one tried to do that with Plan 9. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so good. Um, This is one of my favorite ones. Um, The alien named Eros, Mm, which is notably the Greek god of love, uh, is played by Dudley Manlove. Dudley Manlove? Mm Mm-hmm. And that's, that's not the gay game. guy in the cast. Ah, <laughs> God, this film's so queer. <laughs> it, it is. And that'll be part of my review of it, to be honest. Um, to save money, the same shower curtain is used throughout the movie, including as a door to the alien cockpit to unveil the bomb and once <laughs> as a shower curtain. <laughs> and as I said, an unironed one throughout. <laughs> Look, I actually didn't notice the, the repeated use of the shower curtain. So Me neither, to be honest. They, they got away with it. Um. I do have one weirdly written goof, if you'd like oh, to hear it. I love it. weirdly written goof. There were a lot of goofs. This was the one I thought was the... It, it's hard because a lot of them are just right because there's a lot of goofs. But mm. this one I thought was weirdly written. Yeah. From Eros's big speech at one hour, five minutes and 53 seconds. Then your scientists stumbled upon the atom bomb, split the atom. Then the hydrogen bomb where you actually explode the air itself. Edward D. Wood Jr.'s science is pretty weak here. The hydrogen bomb is a fusion bomb which works with tritium. It has nothing to do with exploding the air. An advanced alien scientist would not make such an absurd statement. <laughs> it's really that last bit that, that makes it transcend into the oddity, right? Yeah, um, transcend into the oddity. Because it's not, that's a script problem. It's, this, it's a script problem because the alien scientist should know better. <laughs> Do you hear some reviews? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> In this law. They should know this. They should know better than this. Mm. So it's it's not that Ed Wood got it wrong. It's that the alien got it wrong and that the rest of them are like, hey, I don't think he knows how a hydrogen bar works. Reviews! <laughs> 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 this has 3.9 on IMDb. Okay. It, it's also, as everyone will see in the episode number, 120. So it's not even in the bottom 100, which I feel like is a win. Um, and mm. it's... 66% on Rotten Tomatoes. Gis- Whoa, that's way higher. What the fuck? It's very rare that Rotten Tomatoes is higher than IMDb. Because it's so fun. It and is fun. And people love it. And I enjoyed it. And I'd also, watch it again. its heyday of being bad mm. was way before IMDb was there. So a mm. lot of the people reviewing it on Rotten Tomatoes and IMDb are like, I had a good time, man. Yeah. Um, Josiah Teal of Film Threat gave the film a 10 out of 10, calling it a quintessential quintessential cult classic and writing that it is a testament to a love of cinema and making all the wrong creative choices. Yeah, it's it so ambitious and impressive for its time. Yeah, 
It's really incredible. It uh, does suck, but oh, who cares? Uh, it's it's really quite bad. Yeah. Um, here's an IMDb review, review called Watch It. Oh, by the way, there's. I don't think I could see a single 10 out of 10 review that was the thing that we normally try and find, which is someone unironically really Loving liking it. the movie. Yeah. Right? There is no one that unironically loves this movie. That sucks. Well, but... But I feel like the irony is different than sarcastically liking it. Yeah, it's just that people genuinely loved, like, Drive and God's yeah. Not Dead, you know? Yeah. But no one could unironically love this. I unironically love this. Which one? Do you mean, like, Driven or do you mean, like, the... Driven. Okay, yeah. Sorry, the Sylvester Stallone films. <laughs> right. They merge into one. <laughs> um, this is called Watch It With Friends by Prof. Dave. I watch about 10 to 30 films a month from mainstream to inter- <laughs> weird brag from mainstream to independent features and what qualifies as a great film to me is its ability to capture my attention every time I watch it <laughs> every time which I think is funny because grabbing my attention is actually the thing I think this movie is worst at. Mm. Uh, granted, this movie wasn't well written, and granted, this mo- this film was poorly acted, and granted, if this were any other film with any other cast, it would probably really suck. But remove any element from the film as it stands, and it falls short of perfection. Be it by accident or be it on purpose, it's not a purpose, this, p- this piece of cinematography is pure genius. This is a film worth seeing with friends. Trust me, you'll be the life of the party if you dig this film from the vaults. 10 out of 10. Oh, Prof. Dave. Prof Professor Dave. Dave. Professor Dave. Oh, he watches 10 to 30 films a month. I guess that's... Which means like maximum one a day. Yeah. Minimum like one a week. Yeah, I guess. Well, a little bit wait, less. 10, 10 is not one a week. Yeah, 10 would that be... That would be like four. Yeah. Okay, two a week. Yeah. That's yeah. a lot. Yeah, that is a lot. It is a lot of movies. How did I try to calculate that right now? I have How no- did that? <laughs> where did that? <laughs> where did I pull it from? Ten into a month. That's like one a week. That's one a week. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. A month is ten weeks, but at thirty, <laughs> one a day is also thirty days. I don't even know how I got there, <laughs> and that's the scariest bit. <laughs> Here's a note. Let's, let's, don't worry. I'll save you. I'll save you. We'll just move on. We'll just move on. Okay, here's, but you're not going to cut it out. I'm not going to cut it out. <laughs> okay, I'm not going right. to cut it out. Here's another review called Genius Well Unintentional by Y-Dorbin or Y-Dorbin. I give this film 10 out of 10. Now, by the way, this is, I think, maybe the first time I've ever read a review and when they say 10 out of 10, they fully spell out 10 both times. Mm. I gave this film 10 out of 10. I know some people will call me foolish for it, but this is a comic masterpiece. As a serious film, this gets zero, but this is so bad, it's F, asterisk, 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 good, amazing picture. So many goofs, so much to laugh at. The determination Ed Wood has was remarkable. This film deserves to be treasured forever in the National Archives, as it is an incredible piece of cinema. Everything about its stock B movie, everything about it is stock B B movie material. But the fact that Ed Wood was such a bad filmmaker means he let so much he let so much slip to, into the film. That shouldn't have happened. Without the hundreds of hilarious goofs, I think this film would just be seen as a rubbish sci-fi flick from a gone era. But due to the hilarity of some parts, such as the cop scratching his head with a loaded pistol, the stupid, stupid piece of dialogue, and the completely unintelligible speech of the police chief, this film is incredibly funny. Anyone who gave this film a poor rating should see that it's more than a crap film. It's comedy gold. It's comedy gold. 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. 
Here's the last one I have. I'm ready. It's called Cult Classic by Jeff Coop. Great name. It feels awkward when it's their full name and I just say it out loud on the podcast. <laughs> but it's their username. That's just that's just you, Michelle. Yeah? Yeah. That's just me. I'm Jeff Coop. No, that's just you feeling awkward. I'm Jeff Coop. <laughs> me? Me? You did oh. a coup on Jeff Coop. And then <gasps> the whole life of Jeff Coop flashes before my eyes. I see. <gasps> hey, honey. I'm so glad you're home. <laughs> my baby boy. Can't wait for you to come home from your first day of school, son. Ow, Dad, I hurt my knee. I hate you, Dad. I hate you. Son. Teenagers, I'll never understand them. Jeff, you're never home anymore. And I feel alone. <laughs> baby, I'm trying. I'm trying. Ah, and then knock something. <laughs> Jeff, if you don't clean yourself up, I'm leaving you. I <sighs> I gotta go talk to my wife. <laughs> Jeff, your wife died three years ago. Oh my god, what a sad ending. We've You've been in a guy. coma for ten years. Oh my god. But she sat by your bed every day. Oh. Mathematically for seven of those years. And then she died. Right. Which oh. leads us to where we are now. Okay, yeah. Wow. That She sat there every day? For seven years. What'd she do? How'd she eat? Just tubes. I wasn't low to tube. <laughs> should take a little nibble on your tubes. This one's called a cult classic by, <laughs> by Jeff Coop. Jeff Coop. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking soup. Um. We've watched too many films. <laughs> but almost none of them are good. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, so we could write movies on the go, but they're not good. <laughs> I was impressed by the fact that this 1950s movie gave the aliens the concepts of religion. Oh, that's right, because the aliens believe in God, and the same God, not their own religion, God. Um, loyalty to their race, ugh, and a sense... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that was um, <laughs> totally unforced. Um, and a sense of grievance for... S- what? For saving... <laughs> Sorry, let me start again. I, I should have proofread this more. <laughs> Jeff Coop is a dubious man. <laughs> Loyalty to his friends. Is that why his wife left him? <laughs> I'm so glad you cut me off there because I was building towards like a redemptive arc for him. Now he, he fucking deserves it. Yeah. Um, I was impressed by the fact that this 1950s movie gave the aliens the concept of religion, loyalty to their race, and a sense of grievance for saving the universe by killing us lowly humans. The fact that... To, okay. the, the fact that to Ed Wood, the concept of day or night in filming scenes weren't important and his major actor, Lyle Talbot excluded, died before making the picture and was replaced by a taller chiropractor slash actor detracted from the overall skill in which the movie was made. I still rate this as a good movie to watch, even if it is only to find the many major and obvious flaws. After all, it is much more entertaining than a cheap movie about an apostle. I have no idea what he's referring to. <laughs> and then there's a smiley face. So watch this to find out what we have stupid, stupid minds. You'll see... 10 out of 10. What? <laughs> I'm so sorry. Jeff- <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry, man. I didn't do my job. Jeff Coop, his personality shifted once he woke up from that coma. <laughs> Couldn't string a sentence together. <laughs> Permanent brain damage. I did, I, I did wrong. I should have picked a different review. <laughs> yeah, maybe 
maybe read them a bit more. <laughs> I, was, I was running out of time. I was watching <laughs> the season finale of Succession. Uh, I've had a big week. Oh, my God. That's so funny. <laughs> Babe, what's your review? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, Jeff Cooper really hit the nail on the head. Sorry, this I'm film's crying. all about, you know, loyalty to race and... What the um, fuck? <laughs> Uh, I liked it. <laughs> it's just, I'm <laughs> doing the, like, cut cut at the throat <laughs> the sign. Not Don't the, cut at your throat. No, sorry. Not the, <laughs> not the finger across the throat, but the hand, like, rotating, yeah. like, pivoting. Saying cut the scene. Cut the, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How do you, it's, some hand signals are so hard to explain. <laughs> oh, guys. What do you fucking think, man? Dude, we're so, we're so, <laughs> how have we deteriorated so bad? <laughs> I I had to shoot a sketch this week, man. Yeah, and I've, I've got a cold. It's yeah. not the same, I guess. Um, <laughs> uh, look, listen, hello. I thought hey. it was okay. Like, it wasn't good, but I don't know, man. We've been doing this for a long time, and you kind of, like, take what you can get at this point, and this was really fun and a classic and a cult classic, and, and, and some people love this film, and I enjoyed this film, and uh, Edward's cool. Would I watch it? Again, like Goodyear, I wouldn't watch a Goodyear, so therefore this has to be higher than a Goodyear. I, we, I feel like at some point we've got to change what the midpoint movie is because I feel like it distracts you because you don't like it. Yeah, well, I would never watch a Goodyear again, so technically most of these films would be above a five. Yeah, I know, <laughs> but that's but like you wouldn't watch a nothing movie. Yeah, is the idea right? Look, I would actually give this film just for the sheer ambition and craziness of it, and Edward himself. Um, it's got to be a six out of ten. Yeah, I would watch it again in a heartbeat. Mm. And I, yeah, I like I like his attempts, and I liked his 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 good tries. He was trying to kick a goal, and the goal went way off field, and he ran after it and tripped and fell, and he hit his head into a big pile of poo. But he got up, he kept running for that ball, even though it was completely outside of the pull field. Pull up, man, pull up. And I just thought he's a great guy. <laughs> You, you did it. You brought it home. You, you did it. What about you, Michelle? Well, um, look, like I said, I, I started this with a personal attachment to this movie, both because of my love of the movie Edward and also, like, this movie is queer to hell and back. Yeah. Like, we took, like, mo- <laughs> so many of the actors were openly gay in the fucking 50s. Um, John Breckenridge was actively trying to transition to the point that it feels weird to <laughs> say him and John. Um, Ed Wood also, like, Ed Wood's first movie was a movie called Glenn or Glenda, which was so transparently about him. Yeah. Like, there's, whether or not he was, tra- it's, it's always hard to ascribe something like that when thoughts were different. But, like, you know who doesn't have uh, gender identity as, a, like, in their Wikipedia bio, cis people. Mm-hmm. Like a section about it, I mean, you mm. know? And I, I, there's just so much queerness to this, to this crazy man and his gumption to go out and just try it hardest. It wasn't, this wasn't even the last movie he made. Like, this would have sunk anyone else. He made four more movies, which, by the way, I need you to know, the second, then one he made immediately after this is called Night of the Ghouls. <laughs> fucking loves those ghouls he does and i just i love that so much i he love that here's a film called night of the ghouls i'm someone who my first film that i made in film school i was referred to by my teacher he said it was the worst piece of filmmaking he'd ever seen in his life which i thought was pretty uh, harsh 
to say yeah, to a pretty unnecessary first film. Pretty unnecessary. Pretty rough. Not very helpful was the main thing. Mm. I guess the main thing is I've dedicated a lot of my career since to spite him. Also, mm. I didn't watch his first feature and it was pretty bad. It, so It was shit. Yeah. <laughs> so fuck that guy. Yeah. Although his second one was pretty good. But <laughs> we'll cut that. <laughs> yeah. For for my ego, we'll cut that. I also give this a six, man. This guy tried <laughs> yeah. as hard as he could, and I think he nailed it. I, yeah. I This guy is more beloved than many other filmmakers. Mm. And I do think there was a lot he was doing that we still don't do in, like, studio schlock. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. This was this isn't some, like, fucking churned-out cynical piece of shit or some of the movies on here, like Black Christmas or God's Not Dead 2, that feel kind of inherently evil. Mm. Nah. Nah. Nah, man. Nah, man. No. Some dude taking a shot. Yeah. But hey. Hey. That's just what we think. If you want to see us take some more shots, you can check us out on our social media. You could find us. We're on OnlyFans. We're we're on OnlyFans. We're shooting our shots (laughs) all over some ghouls. It's ghoul mania. We're making some premium ghoul content (laughs) Here at the Rating Descending OnlyFans all month. It's us painted fully green. Every ghoul-related content is 50% off. And if you already subscribe, you know that's a lot of it. (laughs) But you can more legitimately find us on Twitter at Rate Descend Pond, or TikTok at Rating Descending, or you can email us at ratingdescending at gmail.com. I love the emails. Or you can find us on our personal accounts. I'm on Instagram under Abigail Chaywall. And I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Michelle.SaintClaire. And please, 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 leave us a review. I think what will really stick with the audience is the desperation. Please. But I, I, I please. hope you listeners know the desperation in this moment from Abby is not for you to review. It's please. for us to finish recording. <laughs> I'm flagging. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're falling apart at the <laughs> seams. <laughs> I guess it's, it's been a longer week than I thought. Yeah. Well, that was Plan 9 from Outer Space. Uh, Abby, what are we watching next week? Uh, next week, Michelle, we are watching 11, 11, 11. Ooh, from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows. Looks like you're not going to believe this. It's a horror film <sighs> set, you know, made after 2010. Oh, my God. You're you're killing me. If, yeah. Uh, uh, all, from highs to lows. <laughs> all of the masochistic listeners are going to have a really great time next week yeah. listening to us uh, lis- uh, watch 11, 11, 11, or I think it should be called 1, 1, 1, 1, 1, 1. I hope the, the ones play into the plot. If I watch this fucking movie and there's no ones in it, I'm going to absolutely lose it. Bad.